Amen. So, as Jesus said to the men, Shalom. You can't return the peace. The, the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. Um, you saw a dramatization of that from... Uh, I recommend this series. You know, I'm playing these clips in here for you guys, but it's called The Chosen. There's three seasons out. And uh, if you just look it up online, you'll be able to find it and get access to it. Um, but what I want to do is I want to read the original passage from the New American Standard Bible, and uh, you'll find it. Uh, it will appear up here on the screen to my right, or if you're online, you will be able to see it. Um, but I want to read that passage, and we're going to read the section that relates to the man's healing directly. Now, there's a whole lot more going on in John chapter 5 and, and what comes out of this story, but I just want to focus on one thing today, and then if you come Wednesday, then we'll expand it even more. So here it is. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porticos. In these porticos lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, limping, or paralyzed. Now, a man was there who had been ill for 38 years. Jesus, upon seeing this man lying there and knowing that he had already been in that condition for a long time, said to him, do you want to get well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, but when I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately, the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. The handicapped man sat behind, beside the pool of Bethesda. Bethesda means house of mercy. How appropriate. This pool was probably 100 yards long. They're, they're, they have uncovered uh, the, the probable ruins of this pool. It was, it was huge. It was immense. And when it says there were a multitude of people who had various afflictions who were around it, there were a multitude there. But I want you to notice something. Jesus approached one guy. He didn't walk around the pool, right, to all of these different people. He, he approached one fella. Now, the popular belief was that an angel would stir up the water in this pool and the first person down into the water would get healed. Well, that is found if you, if you go to your uh, King James Bible or your New King James Bible, you will find a verse that you don't find in uh, more contemporary Bibles because this verse is an explanation of why they were all there, but it's not found in the oldest manuscripts. This verse was probably placed there by a scribe who was familiar with the tradition and wanted to make sure that everybody understood why all these people were sitting around the pool. Here's the verse. This is uh, John 5, 4. And the reason that the verse has a number is because uh, the verses and chapters were made when a text family called Textus Receptus had been translated into the King James Bible. Um, I'll get into that more on Wednesday, all the technical stuff about it, but I just want you to understand why there's a verse that's not found in your more modern translations, all right? 
Here's the verse. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. This is kind of strange, right? If, if this was actually the way God worked, then it's based on a competition, essentially. And so obviously, if you are paralyzed, you can't jump into the water before people who are not paralyzed. What is probably the case with this uh, large pool is that there was an underground spring, uh, kind of like a, you know, uh, a periodic uh, uprising of water from the, the, the lower portions of the earth, uh, you know, in a, in a smaller way, like a geyser, okay? Anybody ever gone and seen Old Faithful, Right. And so periodically the water just pushes up. And so these people were convinced that this was not a natural phenomenon, that this was an angel, and that they would receive supernatural healing as the result. Well, here's the reality. And I'm hoping that you will make the application for yourself. Um, Popular belief is often based on falsehood, isn't it? There are many popular beliefs that people hold that are simply based on falsehood. And people may extend hope on the basis of that belief. And even though they're disappointed for so long, we all need hope. Human beings exist on hope. We subsist on hope. We die without hope. So for people, any hope is better than no hope. And people will reach out and try to grasp, try to lay hold of something, anything that will give them hope. Unfortunately, if you don't have faith in a reliable source, your hope is worthless. So if you're getting your ideals and your beliefs from memes online, that's not really a good source for your hope, right? If you're getting your ideals from some sort of a political position or party, that's really not a good source for your hope. If you're listening to the wrong voices, you may easily be misled into false hope and despair. I call the pool of Bethesda the pool of false hope, the pool of broken dreams, These men and women were sitting around there because they wanted to be well. Pastor Craig was in Acts chapter 5 today. And uh, uh, when the church was at its inception, when Peter was, um, was preaching, there were so many people that were being healed that they would actually just lay them down alongside the path where Peter was walking so, <clears throat> so that perhaps even his shadow would come over Uh, some of them, because he couldn't reach out and touch all of them. But those who expressed faith were healed. Now, the interesting thing about this man is we don't have any indication that he even expressed faith. Jesus had a purpose for healing him, and it is the power of God that heals. Amen? It's not a man that heals, unless it's the son of man, right? Jesus heals. Now, God does invest certain people with gifts to inspire faith in others so that they're healed. But that doesn't mean that that person is the source of the healing. God is the source of the healing. Now, what I hope you'll do today is you will make application to yourself, but I pray that you'll get deeper than just this idea of physical healing. I'm not saying that that is unimportant, But many of us are broken in deeper ways than merely physical ways, right? Um, The man had no other source of hope, so he continued to believe the delusion 
And that's what this was, a delusion, an illusion, right? Even though he'd been sitting there so long. Now, the scripture tells us that he had been in this condition for 38 years. We don't know that that means he'd been sitting by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, but certainly he'd been sitting there for a very long time. Further, we don't know what the source of his disability was. We just know he is called, uh, the, the Greek word can mean sick, or it could be translated uh, an invalid, somebody who is incapable of doing everything for themselves. In this case, he was a paraplegic at the very least and incapable of getting up and walking on his own. He'd been sitting there a long, long time. Some of us in this room haven't even been alive 38 years. Can you imagine suffering like this man had for so long? Here's my question. He'd been sitting by this pool, hoping to get well as the result of some superstition. Do you have a pool of false hope? Now, that can be a lot of different things. People turn to different sources for their hope, right? Uh, sometimes we, we, don't even, we don't even reach as far as hope. We just want to feel better. We're tired of feeling bad. We're tired of being discouraged. We're tired of being depressed. And we're looking for anything. Drugs can be a source of medication or false hope. Alcohol can be a source of medication or false hope. You know what? I, 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 you know, there are some of us who perhaps are struggling financially. And so gambling may be a source of false hope. Well, if I can just win this bet, there's this game that's going on over here and I'm gonna lay money on that. I'm just gonna go over here and play the lottery. I'm gonna do this and that's gonna get me out of my trouble. It's false hope. Now, of course, on occasion, somebody wins the lottery and there are times when people go to Vegas or they go to Shreveport when they win at this game or that game. But I'm guaranteeing you, and I'm not disrespecting you if you go and have a little fun, but just realize you're gonna lose your money. If you're going to Shreveport or Vegas or you're going north uh, to one of the casinos, you're going there to be entertained and have some food and, and so forth. You're going to lose your money. They're not in business to give you money. You need to realize this. You're going to lose your money. And if you win by chance, hey, that's awesome. That's a side benefit. I have gone to Vegas twice in my life. Actually, when I was a kid, my dad used to go all the time. Um, and used to leave me in the hotel room, and then they would go down in the casino. And back then, it was the age of nickel slots. And we're talking real nickels here. So I'd wake up in the morning, and the floor would be covered in nickels. You know, because you just sat there, and you put nickels in, and you crank that, you know, that arm. And it's just, you're just continuing to crank the arm, and you're hoping, okay, I'm telling you what, now it's not even any fun. There are not, there's not any arm on a lot of those. It's just, you stick a credit card in there, and you just keep pressing buttons. That's no fun. What world is that? The first time I went on my very own was right before we started this church, you know, I was stretching my wings and saying, I'm not a Baptist anymore. I can go and do this. And, 
So I drove up through Oklahoma, and this was, uh, this was um, two weeks after Columbine, actually. And I, I had this little tour in mind. I was going to go visit where Columbine happened uh, in Colorado. So I went up through Oklahoma. A tornado had hit more Oklahoma the night before. There was nothing on the, uh, the east side of Interstate 35 that was taller than this stool. It was crazy. But you know what was interesting? The only thing that you could see standing was First Baptist Church of Moore. Tornado didn't touch it. And that's where they used, uh, that, that was the, their base of operations for helping everybody. But all that said, I went up and then uh, drove over and across, uh, you know, did, did my Columbine visit. I've got some really interesting video of that, by the way, but that's a story for another time. And uh, then I went over and down and came to Vegas and I stayed at some lowbrow casino, I can't even remember what it was. Uh, but anyway, it had like a medieval theme or whatever that one is, if, if that's even still there. Um, and so, you know, I just stayed there because I, it was inexpensive and, you know, the, the food at the buffet was inexpensive. So I just went, went there, went to sleep in the room that night. When I got up in the morning, I was getting ready to go. I wasn't even going to gamble. And I thought, no, you know what? I'm going to get 40 bucks out of the ATM, and I'm going to go over to the blackjack table, which, by the way, the only game you're going to win at in Vegas is blackjack. That's the only one you're going to win at. You are going to be at a gross disadvantage in every other game, okay? You have a greater possibility of winning at blackjack, but you're not going to get rich, and they're probably going to end up with your money, all right? Now, the odds are typically better in Vegas than they are in some of these other places because they anticipate that people are going to stay there longer, so they want to sucker you into spending more money. Oh, wow, I won $100, so then you bet it and you lose $1,000. That's the way it works. It is the pool of false hope. But I was smart that morning. I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this $40, and when this $40 is gone, I'm gone. So I sat there and won $160. I gathered up my chips and I got out of Dodge. I was like, I, <laughs> this is great. This is paid for my food and this paid for my room and everything else and I'm out of here, right? So, but you're not gonna get rich there. Well, I'm just using that as an illustration. We have all sorts of false hopes and broken dreams because we put our hopes in things that just cannot come true, right? We need to be careful with our children in this regard. We, we typically tell our, our children, you can be anything you want to be, but that's really not true. Not every kid is going to be able to be a professional baseball player or basketball player or football player. You're setting that kid up for a fall. Now, that doesn't mean you know, prohibit them from going out and trying. Not every kid is going to be a famous musician or a famous singer or a famous actor. Let them try everything, because that's the only way that they're going to be able to discover who and what they are. But don't set them up with false hopes and false dreams, because then they get to be, you know, 25, 30, 35, and they realize, wow, that didn't work out, right? I mean, there's, there's still so much life left to be lived, and they're disillusioned because they thought they could be anything they wanted to be. No, but you can be what God created you to be, Amen. Your child can be what God created her to be. Your child has been placed here on earth for a purpose. You're here for a reason. You need to seek the Lord and find out what he created you to be because he did create you. Contrary to popular belief, you don't create yourself. 
You can move within certain boundaries, okay? You have certain capabilities, probable, uh, you know, lifestyle choices that come out of those capabilities. So somebody that's more athletic, perhaps they can play college baseball and enjoy their time. Perhaps they might even step up and play a little minor league baseball and enjoy their time. But if they realize that, you know what, it's unlikely that I'm going to play pro ball, so I'm going to make sure that I get an education so that I can do something that will make me a living, right? It's, you know, encourage your child uh, to get the type of education that will allow them to stretch their wings and figure out what's out there. But let's not set them up with false hope so that they end up in their late 30s and 40s and 50s sitting in front of a pool of false hope and false dreams. Well, as I mentioned, there were many people sitting around the pool that day, but Jesus only approached one. And the only reason that we're given is because Jesus knew that he'd been handicapped for a long time. There were probably dozens and dozens and dozens of people sitting around that pool. Jesus targeted one fellow. It's not God's will to heal everyone of everything. I know, now you've figured out I'm not a Pentecostal either. But I think that's how we set people up for false hope as well. Well, if you just had enough faith, you'd be healed. Maybe not. Remember, the Apostle Paul had a weakness. It was probably a physical weakness. He called it a thorn in the flesh. And he said that, now, now can you think of anybody that might have had more faith than the Apostle Paul? I can't. He said that he prayed to the Lord three times that the Lord would remove this, and the Lord said no, because God had a purpose for it. The purpose was to keep Paul humble. And God said to Paul, my grace is enough for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. Wow. Now, I'm not saying don't ask. If you're struggling physically, if you've got a particular weakness or malady or disease, whatever, then cry out to the Lord, but receive his answer. And his answer may be yes, and you are healed. Or his answer may be no, my power is perfected in your weakness. Or his answer may be wait, this man waited 38 years and then glorified God with his healing. When we get to chapter 9, we're going to see another man who was born blind who glorified God with his healing. Jesus can save, Jesus can heal, and he can deliver you from every demonic oppression and every false hope. He can give you real hope and a real future and deliver you from broken dreams. He can deliver you from sinful habits. He can heal your heart and spirit so that you can be genuinely healthy. Yes, you can live life well. Amen? Amen. That's what our church is called. And that's one of the reasons why it's called that. Well, Jesus already made it clear, if you recall uh, the last chapter, to the woman at the well. Um, he made it clear that he is the one that gives the water of life. This pool was not the water of life. But they were sitting in front of this pool like somehow it, when the angel touched it and it bubbled up, then it was going to give them life. But this pool was really a pool of death. 
because it was a pool of false hope. But Jesus had already told the woman at the well, I can give you water. And if you drink it, then you will become a bubbling spring, a source of life. That's you, friend. You can become the source of life for other people if you will allow the spirit of the Lord Jesus to transform you from the inside out. And if you will walk in faith, and if you will be a faith-oriented person around other people, excuse me, you can pray for people and God can use you to, to bring health and healing to them, right? Um, uh, she's not here this morning. Did Brittany talk to you on the phone yesterday, Pastor Craig? So Brittany was, uh, had a couple of uh, braces on her hands last Sunday, and she was really, really struggling with carpal tunnel. And she came up here and she asked Craig to pray for her. You know, Craig, she didn't have those braces on on Saturday. She said that they'd been trying to, you know, deal with all this situation, trying to find a, an apartment or a house. And you prayed for her about that. They're signing a lease on a house and her hands are doing great. Amen? Yeah, man, you can pray for people. People can be healed as a result of you praying for them. And you can put your hand on someone's head or on their shoulder, or you can pray for people and not even be there. That's what we saw uh, on Wednesday night. The previous miracle that Jesus performed in um, the Gospel of John is at the end of John chapter 4, he heals a royal official's son. Well, he didn't even go where the royal official's son was. The man came to Jesus, said, my son is sick. Will you help him? And Jesus said, go, he's alive. He's fine. The man believed. He left. And his servants met him halfway um, because he was at Cana and this was at Capernaum, about 15 miles apart. His servants met him halfway and he said, you don't have to worry about it. Your son is well. And he said, wait a minute. When did the fever break? When did he start getting well? And they said, oh, about the seventh hour yesterday. That was the exact moment that Jesus said, your son will be well. Okay. I remember during COVID, we couldn't even visit people in the hospital. You remember that? But that doesn't mean you can't pray for somebody and let them know that you're praying for them, right? And that knowledge can inspire their faith. You know, when I'm sick, I just don't have a lot of faith. How about you? I mean, I just don't, I, yeah, I just feel terrible. I am the worst sick person. I whine and cry and complain. I don't know how God handles being around me, right? That's why I'll ask other people to pray for me. And when I know they're praying for me, it encourages me. I would encourage you to do the same thing, all right? Um, Jesus asked the man if he wanted to be healed. And this is really very interesting to me. What do you think the man would say? If somebody had been sick for 38 years and you asked them, do you want to be well? What do you think they would say? But why did Jesus ask the question if he already knew the answer? Because the man really needed to want to be well. Here's what happens. When we're in a particular condition for a long period of time, when we're sick for a long period of time, or have some sort of physical weakness for a long period of time, or some, uh, some other issue that we face in our lives that we wish we could get rid of, we may begin to identify with it. We may begin to get our, our identity from it. Oh, I'm just the invalid. That's why I haven't used that term, although it is a word that could be used to translate uh, this Greek word, right? I've been using handicapped or the sick man. 
But I don't like the word invalid. You know why? You take it apart. It's someone who's invalid. No, they're not. But see, what if you begin to think that way? What if you begin to think I'm invalid? I'm insignificant. I'm useless. I'm worthless. I'm a fill in the blank. Now, I understand the perspective behind the, uh, the AA movement and people saying, you know, for their lifetime, I am an alcoholic. But I have a problem with continuing to identify with your weakness because that's where you're getting your identity, right? What I should be saying and what I pray you will understand is I am a new creation in Christ, Amen. Not I am a this or I am a that, okay? Name whatever the affliction, name whatever the, you know, the particular loyalty that you have given yourself to outside of Christ. No, if I'm going to really figure out who I am, I need to find Jesus and I need to say, I am a Christ follower. I am a new creation in Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul teaches us about coming to Christ, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, is that you? Are you in Christ? If you're in Christ, do this. Say, yeah, I'm in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Say, I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. Say, all the old things are gone. Everything, behold, everything has become new. Say everything is new. Now, this has to be your frame of mind. You have to agree with God's word. When you open your heart to Jesus and you invite him to come inside, the spirit of God literally comes down inside of you and gives you a new birth. Uh, the, the way I looked at it um, on Easter Sunday when I gave my testimony is it is a spiritual resurrection that happens before you die physically and in, enjoy a physical resurrection with a supernatural body. But you are spiritually raised now when you receive Christ. You are given a new birth and you are given a new life. Your task, your job, your duty from that point on is to identify with Jesus. To say, no, I am not a this or a that or a the other thing. I am a follower of Christ. I am a new creation. In fact, that's what the word Christian means. Did you know that? It means little Christ, right? A little Christ. I am one of his. I will be like him. I am going to become more and more like him in my attitude and my words and my behavior as I continue to identify with him. Stop sitting at the pool of false hope and broken dreams. You're not going to get anything worthwhile from this world. Even the things that are good from this world's perspective are passing away. So we have to step up, as Jesus said to this man, do you want to get well? Well, do you want to get well? Do you want to overcome or have you given up? Are you trusting in something other than Jesus to make you well? And you're like, well, no, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep, keep with this, right? Because the reality is once this man got back on his feet, he was going to have to go find a way to make a living, wasn't he? I mean, he was basically living around this pool. 
You can just get so used to your situation, right? And the disaster that you've made of it or that other people have made of it that you don't even want to do anything about it anymore. But God is saying, I want to give you new life. I want to give you opportunities. I want to raise you up. Get up. See, the man, he gave his story, right? Well, nobody will help me into the pool and so forth. And Jesus just batted that aside. And he looked him straight in the eye and he said, rise up. But he didn't just say that. Pick up your bed, pick up your mat, pick up your pallet and walk. Three things the man needed to do. He needed to rise up, pick up, and walk out of there. Now, here's the interesting thing. It was a Sabbath that day. The man had to disobey the religious rules in order to obey Jesus. Hmm. Now, this was the interpretation of the Sabbath that had been laid down by the tradition and the ideas of men. Jesus was not breaking the Sabbath or making this man break the Sabbath. He was simply saying, you know what? Your healing is more important than these rules. Amen? This is what I love about Jesus. And this is what I despise about these religious leaders and these Pharisees. They were more interested in making people keep their rules, in controlling people, than in making people well. Oh my goodness, I could go into a tirade right now about that, right? There's a whole lot of people out there that want to control you. They want you to do what they want you to do. They want you to do what they say. They want you to do what they think is right. But you know, Pastor Craig just went over it this morning in his Acts Bible study in chapter five. The apostle Peter said, we must obey God rather than men or human beings, right? So the man listened to Jesus. He heard his word, right? He had to overcome his mental handicap, his identity as an invalid and listen to Jesus. The question is, do you want to be well in every area of your life? Emotionally well? Spiritually, well. Physically, well. Financially, do you want to be well? Amen or no? I'll I'll invent a new word. Amen is yes. And no man is no. So are you amen or no man? I want to be well. That's why I'm coming to Life Well Church. I want to learn to live life well. I am whatever. No, I am a new creation in Christ. Jesus also told the men to do something that violated those religious rules, which was pick up his pallet and walk. That was part of his healing, though. If, if the man had not obeyed Jesus in all three points, he would not have been made well. He had to rise up, pick up, and walk out of there. Okay? We've got to obey God rather than people. The word of God stands above human law. Amen? Gosh, we've been all through this, haven't we? And it's going to get worse, friends. I'm telling you, persecution is coming down in different parts of the country, okay, that don't have freedom-loving governors and legislators and so forth. And I'm not trying to come down on one side or the other politically, but I am telling you this, we need to put people in office that will let us worship. Amen? 
that will say your church gets to stay open, amen? Amen. That will be willing to say, well, even if I don't agree with the Bible, you're welcome to believe the Bible, amen? Not to say, well, that's a bigoted book and I don't agree. And, and so, no, man, well, we need to, that's why we can lock shoulders with all sorts of people that don't believe what we believe. We can lock shoulders with atheists. We can lock shoulders with agnostics. We can lock shoulders with Muslims and Mormons. As long as we're all saying, no, I get to preach the gospel, whether you believe it or not is up to you. I get to read the word of God, whether you like it or not, that doesn't matter, Okay. And that is my responsibility and my right, okay? We've got to obey God rather than people. So in conclusion and in summary, the man had to abandon three things in order to be healed, and so was me. So must we. So was me. Okay. He had to abandon false hope. You have to look at what you are putting your hope in that doesn't have any basis in a reliable um, fact. He had to put away or abandon his former identity. He couldn't see himself as an invalid. He had to see himself as what Christ was creating in him. And then he had to abandon his fear of offending other people or of being condemned by the people in power. So here's the question as we conclude. Will you believe in Christ's transforming power? Can you hear his voice speaking today? So a few verses down from where we are right now, um, chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned, but has passed from death unto life. See, the first thing that has to happen, and what I pray has happened for you this morning or for you who are listening via the podcast or watching on one of these various sources that we have, is do you hear the word of Christ? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You have to pay attention. Well, it's too late for me to ask whether you've paid attention because you're probably not paying attention right now but I'm looking at people who are looking back at me and it seems that most of you are paying attention. Do you hear the word of Christ? See, the thing is, the man was making the excuse, I don't have have anybody to take me and then put me in the pool because when the water bubbles up and then the people jump in front of me and Jesus just spoke to him, rise up. The man stopped because he heard that authoritative voice from Jesus. Rise up, pick up your bed. And walk on out of here. Can you hear the voice of Jesus today? Rise and follow Christ. Leave your pool of false hope. Receive your new identity in Christ. Be reborn from above. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus, right? He needed to be reborn. He needed to be born again, born from above. Receive the Holy Spirit who can give you that spiritual resurrection. And finally, Reject anything that keeps you from following Jesus. What is the obstacle that stands in the way of you following Jesus? You need to choose to fear God, not people. Amen? Um, a, uh, a translation of Scripture called the New Living Translation uh, came out when it first came out. 
it had this rendering of Isaiah 8.13. It said this, if you fear God, you need fear nothing else. Amen? Amen? So choose this morning to receive the healing that the Lord wants to offer to you today. Your emotional healing, your spiritual healing, your psychological healing. Receive your new identity in Christ. Let him have his way. If you would like to give us feedback, uh, you can go to our website, lifewellchurch.com, and you will find uh, on the main page, there's a feedback tab, and you can click that. You can fill out that form. Uh, you can give us feedback. You can ask for prayer requests, all sorts of things like that. I hope that you are able to do this. We have a text service uh, that I use to send out information on our church throughout the week. And uh, basically, all you need to do is text the word LIFEWELL from your phone to 94000. And if you do that, it'll drop you into that news text list. And you'll get a couple of those texts uh, from us every week.